0: Luke chapter number two. This is a story of Jesus as a young boy being taken by his parents, Joseph and Mary, to Jerusalem to celebrate feast and also for the recognition of him transitioning from childhood to becoming a young man. And uh, they take off and leave Jerusalem in their caravan and all of a sudden realize Jesus, they lost God. How do you lose God? So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple. Three days they went looking for him, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why do you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Father, thank you for your business. Thank you. It is your people and people and the church and those who need to be in the church and those who are still You are still targeting for your kingdom. I pray today that you'll open our eyes of understanding and our ears of understanding to comprehend who you are, how we should serve you, and why your word is transformational. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Then in John chapter 10, Jesus says this about himself, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. You see, Jesus was driven by his calling. He was aware of his purpose by the age of 12, perhaps earlier, but this is when the Scripture gives us insight into when he is aware. And he said to his parents, I must be about my father's business. I must two things that Jesus declared, I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the bread of life. And then he said on the basis of who he is, I must. When we comprehend Jesus, he's God in human form. He has purpose and he has mission. And these two priorities, identity Who we are in Christ. Who are we? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are children of God. We are spirit-filled, overcomers, triumphant, more than conquerors. Those are settled truths. Discover and declare your identity in Christ. Then following the new birth discovery, who we are. There is much more beyond who we are because if there's nothing more than salvation, then we should have been baptized, held under by the preacher, and then God take us right to heaven because attached to your new life is purpose. By the grace of God, I am what I am, Paul said. We are who we are by the grace of God, and that is always sufficient. So don't be intimidated. We are who we are by God's grace. And that means we are a work in progress. And he does not wait until we're perfect. He uses us where we are and expects us to keep improving. God told Moses to go to Egypt, address Pharaoh. And with less less than confidence... Just say, excuse me, Pharaoh, I'm just a lowly shepherd. Please hear me in your courts today. No, God had no identity crisis. When Pharaoh asks you who sent him, you tell him, I am sent you. And if he doesn't respond, I'll turn loose plagues that will get his attention. We must have confidence in the great I am and who we are in him. We are the children of the most high God. And once we are faith-filled in who we are in God, then we should focus on our purpose. As Jesus said, I must. Our reason for being in his kingdom, the reason he brought us out of darkness into light, assignment, Why did God send us out of of eternity into time, into the now? Jesus had mission. In his mission, there was no wasted time. There was no misdirection, no off the rails following his own desires. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I must bring them into the kingdom. And when Jesus knew who he was, he then knew what he must do. And after we discover who we are in Christ, what privilege obligates us to a divine responsibility, and that is to serve the Lord, to fulfill his purpose, not my purpose. There are things that need to be shedded out of my life and your life. From being to doing, from a place of contentment to a place of action, there is a compulsion a sense of mission, a desire to fulfill our reason for being. So, Second Corinthians, Paul said Christ's love compels us. We are under the grip of his love, which is greater than self, greater than my own desire, willing to sacrifice. We are people of purpose. We are overcome by his love to act, to do something, to make a difference. And we are eliminating some things in our lives because there's something more important to fulfill with our lives. The reason we are here, not just to be born again, there is a reason we are here in the now. And it's not about convenience, it's about conviction. There are non-negotiables in our lives because we must accomplish the purpose of for which Christ put us here. So we begin to live appropriately. We begin to live with morality and principle from God's word. And we begin to conduct ourselves in ways that honor the king whom we serve. It's purpose beyond ourselves. Jesus, by the age of 12, comprehended his identity. And once that revelation connected, he then said to his earthly parents, I must. I must be about my father's business. There was now focus on his future, his ministry, the reason he is is in the world. And so you don't read about Jesus wasting his time on non-essentials, partying for personal high, chasing after women. He had identity and purpose by the age of 12. You don't have to wait until you're in your 30s to get serious about God's purpose for your life because by then you may have made choices with consequences you cannot correct. And parents begin at the earliest possible time to whet the appetite of your children for the purposes of God in their lives. God has a divine purpose for their lives. and Once you've tapped into that purpose for you, It affects where you go and where you don't go, who you are with and who you walk away from because God's purpose, I must, will guide your life. Every decision Jesus made directed by his identity and directed by his purpose. That means while you say yes to God's ways, you say no to some things. There's a difference between opportunities and I must. Just because you have an offering of opportunity doesn't mean you grab it. If it's not attached to your purpose, God's will, God's plan, it's just an opportunity, not an I must. His purpose and I must releases order in your life. It releases conviction And a disciplined walk, it reveals priorities, the least important and what is most important. And some things, therefore, will get my priority. When his purpose has gripped your heart, it directs where your money goes, where you use your talents. It overtakes your choices. And you begin now to to remember the God who put me here is looking over my shoulder. Balaam experienced this, this moment. The word of God was placed in his mouth, and he said, this so compelled me, the word that God puts in my mouth, that I must speak. I have to deliver it. And when you know his purpose, it will compel you to speak up, not for self, but for him. In Job 32, he has several friends who sat around him for days after he's gone through this horrible experience of losing everything, his children, his income all that God had blessed him with, and now his health. And he's got these friends who come to visit him in his dilemma. And they sit around him for days, doing nothing but looking at him in a circle and staring at him in his affliction for days. And when they did open their mouths, they told Job, you are suffering because you have displeased God. And finally in Job 32, he said, I must open my mouth and answer. The power of purpose will compel you to speak when the timing is right. You can be in a classroom, the atmosphere full of derision toward Christians and Jesus and your beliefs. I remember being in a New Testament class at a seminary level, and I was the only evangelical born-again believer in the class studying the New Testament. Everybody else was just there for a history lesson. And the professor had nothing good to say about Jesus Or the story of the New Testament. But deep inside of you, the Holy Spirit compels you to speak for truth. He tells you when to speak and when not to speak. And His purpose for you will help you decide the kind of people you're gonna have around you in your life, those you don't need around you on your journey as well as those you must have around you on your journey watch. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. This guy was ripping people off. He was a thief, but he was curious about Jesus, and Jesus said, I must stay at your house. Jesus didn't desire to go to the house of the Pharisees who were in that crowd, but he chose to go to the house in the one who had need of redemption. When you have God's purpose in your life, it helps you to choose between the places you go, the people you're with, life choices. And watch this. Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. It's a place I have to go. When you embrace his purpose, God has already gone ahead and prepared places for you. There was a woman there that would evangelize the entire community when he met her with the message of the gospel, against all custom and against all protocol, I must go to Samaria. He knows you will intersect his timing and his place. And when that happens, destiny hits and a door opens. And as I'm speaking, there is divine purpose for every person in this room. There's a purpose for you in this body of Christ that you are Scheduled to fulfill, serving, leading, teaching, assisting, encouraging, giving. The church is designed as a body; it has to function together. I was looking at that 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 synopsis of the Band of Brothers. Um, it was a it was called Easy Company, and it takes you from jump training through their participation in the actions in the European theater. And each of the characters portrayed are based on members of this paratrooper infantry regiment. And basically, this is what it's all about. Uh, having real brothers with us in life, the necessity of working together as a team, the saying in the military community, it's all about the guy next to you. It's all about making sure that everyone is safe. And, and Christians, we should mirror this belief. In fact, the military should get it from us. It should be a code by which we live. Everybody here has purpose. Everybody here has a gift to bring to the body. And when you act on purpose, you walk in divine, I must. There are places you step into and roles you fulfill that makes the picture beautiful before God. And Paul said, I must by all means Keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. In other words, I'm destined to go there. Agabus, the prophet, had given Paul an illustrated message, and he bound himself, the prophet did, with ropes and said to Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what they're going to do to you. They will beat you. They will bind you. And Paul responded, when you have an I must, you don't worry about persecution or resistance or obstacles or delays. You are wild at heart. You're not a caged lion in a circus. You are a lion on the prowl that roars. Paul said, I must also see Rome. You must also bear witness at Rome. Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For this purpose, I have been sent. Your God-ordained purpose drives you. And there is little room for complacency. And when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and I've asked God to get all of us on the road to demask us. Amen. People need to get knocked off their horses. People wear masks. God knows how to demask us, exposing how we need a move of God's Spirit in our hearts, a fresh move of the wind of the spirit moving through us to unmask the religious mask but when we are exposed to God's presence he will demask us when Jesus revealed himself to Saul on the road to Damascus he gave him new identity you are now Paul he was converted then came purpose and the lord said to him arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. What are you pouring your life into? The woman broke open the alabaster box of expensive perfume and she poured it on to Jesus. What are you pouring on to Jesus? What are you offering Jesus? When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, he sweats. Drops of blood. He was in a divine wrestling match with his I would like to and his I must. Be sure you don't sacrifice your I must for I want to. Because often our I want to is in direct contradiction to God's purpose and destiny for our lives. We say, I would like this. Jesus was there, he understands that emotion. Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Jesus wrestled with what he would have liked and with his purpose. His purpose took priority. I want your will to be done, not mine. His purpose for your life will help you deal with those choices that are not God's will for your life. Well, I just want to date him or just want to date her. When you get hold of his purpose for your life, you will walk away from lesser priorities. When God called me to ministry, I had a plan I wanted to pursue, my want to, but the Holy Spirit got me at altar services on Sunday nights and said, you can do that. It's your will, but I have another purpose for you, and I died to self When he spoke into my spirit, you deny yourself and you pick up this cross and follow me. I surrendered to his purpose, not my will, but your will. So I must preach the gospel. I am compelled by God. You start dating that girl because you want to, but if she's not a part of your, I must. I question whether people should just helter-skelter, date anywhere and everywhere around just because she looks, whoa, or he's buff. When you have purpose, every choice is centered around his will for your life. If she doesn't have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit, she doesn't fit into my, I must. If he or she looks at you like you're crazy during a worship service, because your hands are up and you're worshiping God, or he sits there like a mummy, he is not, she is not a part of your I must. It's good preaching, I know, yes. When you have to compromise to make it fit, because otherwise it wouldn't fit. You have treaded into an area away from your I must because the relationship should enhance you, not diminish you, and make your I must exactly what God intended it to be, fulfilling that role in your life. Whoever God has for you is comparable to you. So I found this little Pentecostal girl playing the piano under the water tower at Central Bible College. And she worshiped like I did and prayed in the spirit like I did and had purpose in her like I did and believed like I did. Are you listening? Are you listening? The reason people get derailed in purpose and some never get back to the perfect will of God, they allow their want to, to override their I must. What's your purpose? You have one. It might be delayed or hindered but there's a purpose. Something God placed inside of you. It drives you. It compels you. It's a mandate for your life. God's purpose is greater than man's applause. God's purpose is bigger than financial gain. God's purpose drives you like an obsession. When I arrived here over 25 years ago, it became clear within a few years, we must build a church for God's purposes to be filled. For f- fulfilled for his message not only to wrap around our community but to touch the ends of the earth a couple of Sundays ago I shared with you some of the projects that we continue to support every month and there are more and more of them I want to continue to support every month till we're giving away a million dollars a year for his message to wrap around to the ends of the world yeah there have been setbacks reality there have been setbacks. There has been lack of focus at times. Others quitting on the vision and purpose because they didn't see it come the way they wanted it to or as fast as they wanted it to. They gave up and never saw the harvest. All pursuing their own desires and their own things. Uprooting where God planted them. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. A Christ-centered campus where many find their purpose and serve together so we can make the kind of difference that goes beyond average. I must. And when all of us surrender to his will for Calvary Christian Center, there's no limit to what God will do through us for his glory. He has an I must for every one of us. And it drives, listen, it drives you. It overcomes timidity. It overcomes every obstacle. Like David, we're willing to stand before Goliath and take the giant down because we're already in process of serving God, not serving self. Everybody else was shaking. All those that have been trained and were on autopilot were shaking in fear, not David. Something in David said, I must take him out. Listen to him, disrespecting our God, and he stood in his I-must-purpose and took down Goliath. The purpose of God grabbed hold of Jacob in his desperation. He's on the run. He's got nothing. And one angel, the scripture tells us, slew 186,000 Syrians in one night. One angel did that by himself. And when purpose grabbed hold of Jacob, in turn he grabbed the angel of the Lord and said, I must have your blessing. And he got the angel in an anaconda vice hold and put his arm around his neck. And he said to him, I must, and I will wrestle you until you bless me. Purpose will make you stand when the sun is setting in a battle and you stand up and you say, son, stand still. I have to finish what God started in my life. Listen, Pull on your holy warrior shorts and go for it. Amen. We bought 24 acres prime in our community. When I see that dirt and empty space as I drive by, I hear the Lord whisper in my spirit, you must build this out. My church has a greater purpose than they have accepted. And my purpose for them needs to be fulfilled. God is challenging us with His divine "I must purpose. You ever read the stories when there's been an accident and a car's overturned and a child is trapped, and at her own peril of life, she performs beyond her natural ability, doing whatever necessary to save that child. I'd rather face a serial killer than get between a mother. Trying to protect her child. They'll she'll face plant you. And what happens? She resolves, I must. Calvary, there must be awakened in us spiritually where we say, No devil, you're not taking my children. You will not keep me from my purpose. I am not born again just to go to heaven. I must share the gospel. I must tell the nations. I must glorify Jesus. I must become a teacher. I must become a doctor. I must go on that mission trip to change lives. I must earn millions because I'm going to finance the gospel. That's for somebody in here and somebody who's going to listen to this after it's preached. Calvary, that's somebody's purpose. I must write this book. I must compose this song. I must learn this profession. And it becomes an obsession. I'm obsessed with his purpose for us. When I was called into the ministry, I was too shy to stand up and speak in public. God had a plant purpose in me. So step by step, through early involvement in some church productions, to becoming, we didn't have youth pastors in that day, we should have, because I had 70 to 75 kids in our youth services before church on Sunday night, and I was their president, better known today as youth pastor. The will of God has to be sweated out. Jesus sweat in the garden. You don't just get up here one day and preach your first message. It doesn't work like that. One step of obedience at a time. And God transitions us, preparing us to get get us to his purpose in our lives. The same power of I must purpose is working in every single one of us. It worked in Jeremiah. It held him in times of great discouragement when after message after message, nobody turned their life around. And he said, I quit. I'm done. Then he said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I had no choice. I must. Something happened, and he said, I must preach. There'll be days when you're ready to quit, resign, preached, and thought. That was a bomb. Nobody cared about that, but the I must. Amen? You don't go by emotion. You go by his word. It's a joy to know you're here, not just going through life. And You get up, and you recognize there's purpose for every day. But so many Christians get up, go to work, come home, eat, watch TV, fall asleep. Same thing over and over. No, purpose. We have direction. We must worship. We must serve. We must give. We must take on responsibility. We must grow. We must change. We must mature. And when you follow his purpose, hell can't stop you. Devils can't stop you. Setbacks can't stop you. Lack of funds can't stop you. Money can't stop, and I must. God. Critics can't stop God's purpose. Smearing your name won't stop his purpose. Offense can't stop his purpose. You must not have an I must if you quit. If you're a quitter, then you don't have an I must. When you have God's purpose, you don't quit when somebody puts your dream down. You're going to do what? You think you're going to stand on that platform one day? I must. If God said, I will, and then he said, I am, therefore, I must. In Acts 27 even death has to give way to God's I must purpose. Paul was on a ship in a hurricane. They had not seen the sun for three days. 270 people on board are about to lose their lives. And Paul has a visitation. Don't be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. In the middle of this hurricane, about to kill all of them. God's purpose, preserve them. Raging seas, a ship being swamped and breaking apart and starting to sink. All hell has been loosed on them. If you're attached to somebody with a purpose, Paul said to the crew, as long as you stay on this ship, you're going to be all right. When you jump off and away from the I must, there are no guarantees. You can do whatever you desire with your life. You can marry whomever you want to marry. You can party with whomever you choose to party. But when it's away from the will of God, you'll take away the guarantees from your life. What do you mean by that? The tragedy of missing God's will is not this. He's not going to put you on a rotisserie and burn you in hell for eternity. It's not what he's going to do. No. You can go to heaven even though you miss God's purpose. But all guarantees are lost. What does that mean? If you marry someone you shouldn't, take off for a job without considering where God wants you planted, not where you should be, the guarantees go away. What does that mean? We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And my choices, which I'm free to make, will either all go up in smoke because I did what I wanted, not what he wanted. I'm in heaven, but all guarantees are gone. There's nothing but ashes. Or I'm doing what you want, sir. I will lose my life if needed for your sake. And for sure I will lose it in the sense of my plans and my want and gladly do it for your sake. And then when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, already in heaven, and the fire of his eyes burn through my motives and my choices. And ignite that altar, gold, silver. That's what I mean. That's what he means. If you step into your purpose and remain on board with whom you're to stay on board with, the ship might go through some storms. No doubt. Your family will go through storms. But if there's a divine purpose attached to your family, hell can't sink that ship. You will make it to the other side. Because if you truly know who you are in God, then you know what you must do. And that's serve him with everything in you. Come on, stand with me, lift your hands, and thank God for his never failing mercies.